It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What is going on, my friends? Bill Rossetti back with you guys on another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, or maybe we should almost consider renaming this podcast the Locked On Losers podcast because no team in the NFL has been more losers lately than the Carolina Panthers as once again... It's another L for the Panthers, as this is six in a row for the now six and eight the Carolina Panthers, as they fall short once again. And that, that's been another common theme. Another loss, another close loss, as they lose 12 to nine to the New Orleans Saints on Monday Night Football. I mean, just a fantastic. A fantastic defense. It just seems like every game, there's some kind of great effort by some player or some unit that just ends up going to waste because they can't pull out that W. And in this case, it was the defense that just stepped it up. I mean, you hold the, the Saints. Now, granted, the Saints haven't been scoring a lot of points on offense over the last couple weeks, but... It, it's still the Saints' offense, and the fact that the Panthers held them to just 12 points is, you know, a, a big testament, a, a big, a big positive. But once again, the offense just struggles in key moments, and that's what leads to them just scoring nine points. Well, really, uh, only six points because one point, of course, came from Chandler Catanzaro on the extra point, and then. Two points on the pick two, which is something you don't see often from Dante Jackson. Uh, so just absolutely unfortunate. The, the luck that the Panthers have had over the last month and a half. And you might as well stick a fork in them because they're done. They're not officially eliminated yet. They they still can technically get a wild card, or they could still mathematically get a wild card at 8-8, eight and eight. but at this point now they need a lot of help, especially with the Eagles pulling the big upset of the Rams on Sunday night, uh, the Redskins with the comeback win over the uh, Jaguars on Sunday, and the Vikings... Blowing out the Dolphins, the Panthers are now pretty much in the their their hopes are pretty much we'll we'll say their hopes are five feet under or uh, I I've used the the fat lady term before uh, where you know the fat lady hasn't sung yet but she's in the dressing room warming up. Well, I think at this point she's got one foot on stage and that other foot is just about coming on. She's, she's just about to make her way to the microphone to start her performance because the Panthers now need a lot of help 
if they're going to make the playoffs. And we'll get that into, get into that in a little bit. But before we do that, of course, we want to thank our great sponsors over at my bookie. Of course, they've been with us for many weeks now, and we've just been obviously so fortunate to have the have the uh, have the sponsorship, or well, the sponsorship and the partnership, I should say, with uh, with my bookie. And of course, if you're if you're not familiar with my bookie. Then uh, I, I don't know what to tell you because we've been we've been urging you guys to check them out for all season, really. And I mean they've they've got they've got the best perks in the business. You know they've got great reviews online, so you got to go and check them out. Uh, they, you know, you can go and even bet parlays. Uh, all you have to do is pick three teams to win, and if you hit all three. You could turn $100 into $600. So, I mean, e- easy money right there. And it's not just NFL you can bet on. You've got college football, college basketball, NBA, NHL, everything. Uh, you know, you've got some college bowl games tonight. You can go bet on that. Uh, so, my bookie, of course, the one bet you'll definitely be happy with. That m- Betting with my bookie is, is your sure bet. Uh, and, again, you know, we recommend them because they have been so good to us. All season long. So, special offer for you guys. Sign up this week and my bookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus to help you start your bankroll. So it gives you an even better chance to make some more money when you win. And of course, go to Twitter and follow them at BetMyBookie as they personally respond to every mention and every DM. And not to mention they've given away more than $10,000 in free money so far this football season. So go follow them because you'll be the first to know when new odds and new props are posted. So again, go to MyBookie promo code locked on and get that 50% deposit bonus. So let's talk about what was a weird game on Monday Night Football. I mean... First of all, 12-9, it is a normal football score, because normally that would be, say, four field goals versus three field goals. But uh, as we know, this, the score was anything but that as, as far as how we got there. Uh, for, first of all, there was only one one touchdown pass thrown in this game. And and it was not from either quarterback. Um, you know, going back to what I said before earlier about how there was always a unit that plays well, and I, I said the defense, and again, credit the defense, but, you know, an, another solid performance from Christian McCaffrey, you know, 53 rushing yards, uh, 67 receiving yards, so 110, 110 total yards, through the ground and receiving. But then, of course, he also had the 50-yard touchdown pass to Chris Manhurts on a fourth down that ended up being the game's first score. I mean, who, who would have thought that? And, you know, the, the commentator said it best. You know, the losing streak you're on, you're, you're trying to get something, and you're playing the Saints. 
you got to go with some of these bold calls, and luckily uh, the, the play worked to perfection because uh, they handed it off to McCaffrey. Manhurt sprints downfield, and no one's covering him. It's just wide open field all the way to the end zone for Manhurt. Or Martinez, apparently, if you would listen, <laughs> if you recall, uh, that's what uh, Joe Tessitore called him during the play. Obviously, they eventually correct said the right name in Manhurts, but that that was just something I found pretty funny during. I think Tess was something like, look at Martinez. I'm thinking, wait a minute, Martinez, hold on a second. I mean, okay, he, yes, his name starts with an M and his name ends in a Z, but, but I mean, I, I, I know names can be flubbed sometimes, but this doesn't exactly help the douse the fire, as it were, on uh, a lot of people not being too thrilled with the Monday night broadcast crew. Now, Tessator, I thought, has been pretty good this season. I, I've liked Tess. People have been more disgruntled with uh, Booger McFarlane and uh, Jason Witten. Uh, you know, especially, it, it seems like Witten has gotten more hate than McFarlane has, but, you know, Booger isn't exactly without his critics either, especially the Booger Mobile. You know, and I, I know there's a lot of people that want to see. Kurt Warner or Peyton Manning take over that spot next season. But nonetheless, Christian McCaffrey delivers the only touchdown pass of the game. And by the way, in my fantasy league, even though it's just kind of for fun, uh, my opponent had one player left going into last night and was down by about 20 points, and it just happened to be Christian McCaffrey. So without that touchdown pass, um, I... Actually, no, I think I'd... I... I don't know. I'm trying to think of that. I might have barely won if it wasn't for that touchdown pass. But nonetheless, he had McCaffrey, and he got enough to win the game. So, you know, again, another another good performance for McCaffrey. But really, that was about it on offense. Because they, they just could not get anything going. And part of that is the offensive line which has just absolutely struggled over the last couple of weeks. And if you notice, Chris Clark wasn't even there at left tackle. It was actually Marshall Newhouse who got the start at left tackle. But overall, and you know, especially a lot of it seemed like it was coming from the interior, but even on the kind of the bookends too, I mean, there just looked like there was pressure coming from all over. So you know, it's a shame. The first half of the season, I'm spending all this time praising the offensive line for how well they've played for being kind of a makeshift group. But now, over the last couple weeks, they've just completely crumbled, and it's really stalled this offense. But they don't get all the blame, though. You've got to place some of the blame on number one. And I think... It seems like he's finally admitted to the fact that that shoulder has been bothering him. I mean, look, Cam made some pretty bad passes in that game, especially the interception in the end zone right before halftime. And as, you know, who knows if that would have changed things in the second half, but just going by the score... That interception in the end zone turned out to be a real killer. And, um, you know, it. 
Devin Funch has never re- even really had a chance. You know, that, that ball just looked short on him. It, it looked it looked like it went right to Eli Apple. You know, I, I don't think... Un, un, unless unless Funches maybe would have con- committed offensive pass interference, I don't know if he would have really had much of a chance at that ball. So that that, that was just a bad throw. Um, so I, I think he's almost confirmed what a lot of us have suspected over the last couple of weeks in that his shoulder has been bothering him a lot more than he and the team had let on over the last couple weeks. You know, maybe just um, all these losses and some of those key moments like that interception maybe kind of was the straw that broke the camel's back, as it were, you know, or were the moments that kind of brought that, really brought that injury to life or, or to light, however you want to put it. You know, and, and it's a shame too. It, it's, it's just unfortunate how, you know, all these aspects have kind of come together to really stall what has been an exp- or what had been an explosive offense in the uh, in the first half of the season. And I mean, e- even over the last couple losses, it's not like the Panthers haven't been putting up points. You know, it's just it, it. This game, actually, if you think about, it, it was almost like a reversal of the script. The last couple of weeks, it seemed like the defense had kind of struggled to get the team over the top. This time around, it's the offense because again, the, the defense. You know, credit credit them a lot. Uh, you know, especially the secondary. And hey, Dante Jackson just continues to have a a real good game with the pick six. Uh, James Bradbury. Also came up with an interception, if I remember. Yep. Yeah, James James Bradbury had had an interception on a tipped pass, and then again Dante Jackson had the pick two. And then you know of course Luke Keekley just continues to be Luke with thir- thirteen tackles. Thomas Davis had twelve. Eric Reed had seven. Um. It, it's just unfortunate, and it, it goes back to what Cam said a couple weeks ago, and the fact still holds true now. This team just continues to find ways to fall short. That, that, that's really what it boils down to. Th- this time around, it's just the fact that the offense just didn't make enough plays and couldn't protect Cam Newton enough to continuously move the ball downfield and continuously score points. And in the end, it ends. It equals a sixth consecutive loss for the Panthers. And again, it has basically ended their playoff hopes, which we'll get into in a moment. So we'll take a quick break, come back, and we'll talk updated NFC playoff picture and a little bit of a note on the aforementioned Eric Reed. You're listening to the Locked On Panthers podcast with me, Bill Rossetti. 
We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Bill Gassetti back with you guys here on this edition of Locked On Panthers. Going to talk a little bit quick about Eric Reed before we get into the updated NFC playoff picture. Uh, first, if you guys noticed or saw kind of in the news or whatever, uh, Eric Reed's cleats. Uh, pretty interesting. Uh, Eric Reed, obviously. We know he's very opinionated, as it were, for you know to kind of keep things short and simple. Uh, he actually created custom cleats that are more or less a and like he even wrote, you know, from Eric Reed's Twitter, my cleats for tonight. Much thanks and appreciation to the artist at two cent underscore b mike. Here's his take on the inspiration behind his design. Quote, it's a tribute to the history of protest centered around the quote, if not us, who, if not now, when, meaning we all benefit and stand on the shoulders of those giants who decided their moment was best used for the sake of the people. And it's always time to do what's right. No different from you using your moment to take a knee. It also has the 10 point platform of Colin's Know Your Rights camp. Colin, of course, being Colin Kaepernick. As Reed, of course, has continued his demonstrations. And it turns out he also was continuing to partake in the NFL's drug test as he was once again randomly selected for the NFL's drug test. And it is starting to get a little weird you know you have to wonder how random it is in fact Mike Tanier of Bleach Report actually tweeted earlier today the percent chance of a player being selected because I guess they take uh, 10 players out of 62 I'm actually gonna bring it up real quick for you guys the percent chance of being one out of 10 people out of 62 chosen for a weekly random drug test over nine weeks. And he wrote in caps purely at random. You have a 35 and a half percent chance of being selected one time over nine weeks. Actually, in fact, 20.5% chance of being selected zero times. Again, this is what being one out of 10 people out of 62 chosen for a weekly random drug test over a nine-week period. And then 27.3 uh, for two times, and then it kind of goes down from there, and then it really goes down all the way to 0.0072%. So... In other words, 72 ten thousandths of a percent chance 
that a player is one out of ten people out of 62 chosen seven times. And that's where Eric Reed stands because he has now been he's been in the NFL or been back in the NFL 11 weeks now and this is his seventh drug test in the NFL. It it is a wonder how random the and I'm not trying to get too political here. I'm not trying to get into any of that stuff. Even just from the mathematical side of things, it is very, very interesting that you you get chosen amongst all these possible players for a drug test. You get chosen seven times out of 11. I think you have a better chance of hitting both the Powerball and the Mega Millions on back-to-back days than what Eric Reed than the than the chances of being selected as many times over a certain period over this certain period of time like Eric Reed has. Again, I'm not getting political here. I'm not saying yeah, you know, I'm not here to say the NFL's blackballing anybody, you know. You guys could think what you want on that subject. That's your prerogative. I'm just saying seven times out of 11 on a purely random chance is very interesting from a mathematical standpoint. So take that for what you will. But that's the Eric Reed story. And now let's talk about the story of the Panthers playoff hopes basically being dead. Because at this point, that's pretty much where they stand. If you look at the NFC playoff picture right now, the Saints have basically all but locked up the number one seed in the NFC with that win. They are now 12-2, and and thanks to the Eagles' stunning upset of the Rams on Sunday night, the Saints now have a one-game lead on the Rams with two games to play, and of course the Saints have the head-to-head tiebreaker. So if the Saints win one more game, they clinch the number one seat. So if they beat the Steelers on Sunday, they will have locked up home field heading into the Week 17 game against the Panthers. So it kind of goes back to what I talked about the other day with all these playoff possibilities about the Saints possibly being in a position where they can rest their starters in week 17 because they may have their position locked up. So that that's where they stand right now. They beat the Steelers, they are the number 1 seed because then at worst, you know, worst case scenario of course is they'd be still a game ahead of the Rams with one game to play, but then even if they tie at 13 and 3, Saints still have the edge. Uh, but they have not clinched they have not clinched the first round by yet either, uh, because there's actually still an outside chance that the Chicago Bears can end up as the number one seed. It's pretty unlikely that it happens, but if the Saints, Rams, and Bears all finish 12 and four, the Bears end up as the number one seed thanks to conference record. But I'm kind of getting a little off track here. So the Saints at 12 and two can lock up the number one seed. 
with a win Sunday against the Steelers. Rams at 11 and 3 uh, can would need a win and a Bears loss to clinch a first round bye because remember the Bears hold the head to head over the Rams. So say those two teams both finish 12 and 4. Bears are the two seed. Rams are the three. Uh, and then the, the Cowboys, of course, still lead the East at 8-6. and six. And then you get to the wild card. The Seahawks, after a surprising loss against the 49ers, just two weeks after blowing them out at home, Seahawks sit at 8-6. and six, And then the Vikings sit at 7-6-1 and one after blowing out the Dolphins. And then on the outside, looking in right now, are the Eagles at 7-7. Seven and seven. I mean, that win over the Rams was huge for them. And then the Redskins, with their come-from-behind victory over the Jaguars, they are also at 7-7. Seven and seven. Eagles, of course, hold the tiebreaker right now because of the Week 13 win. And then it's the Panthers at 6-8. and eight. Panthers, their path to the their path to the playoff is simple. Simple in the fact that there's effectively only one way they can get in, but they still need a lot of help to get it. Obviously, they have to win out. They have to beat the Falcons on Sunday, and they have to beat the Saints in Week 17. They need the Vikings to lose out because remember, they cannot they cannot pass the Seahawks. Even if Seattle, Philly, Washington, Carolina all end up eight and eight. Uh, Seattle would still hold tall above everybody else on conference record. So you're probably not probably not worried about Seattle, even though they lost and are eight and six. Uh, your your focal point more is Minnesota. They have to lose. Uh, they actually have to lose twice. They have to lose both of their games. Yeah, because if they go one and one, that's eight, seven, and one, which would be better than what the Panthers can do. So the Panthers have to win out. The Vikings have to lose out. They have the Lions and the Bears. And the Bears may not be in a position to rest their starters, which, you know, in a way could be a good thing because, you know, they're going to possibly be in a position to have something more to play for in week 17. The Bears beat the 49ers on Sunday, then no matter what, they have a chance at a first-round bye going into week 17. So they would likely play their starters against the Vikings. So, you know, it's possible they lose that one, but you're also relying on the Lions to beat the Vikings. But then again, the Lions beat the Panthers, so you never know. Uh, but So the Vikings have to lose those two games, and the Eagles and Redskins uh, ideally they would both finish yeah, they could both go one and one because then they would finish eight and eight, and I believe the Panthers then would uh, at least hold the tiebreaker. In fact, if we use playoff predictors, as I'm looking at it right now, by the way, I prefer playoff predictors over the ESPN playoff machine as their or playoff predictors is more accurate with their tiebreakers. So if we have the Minnesota losing out, losing their last two, 
even just for funsies, let's say Dallas. Let's have Dallas lose out and get to eight and eight. Seattle loses out to finish eight and eight. Seattle, of course, closes with two at home against the Chiefs and the Cardinals. Dallas's last two are against uh, Indy, or excuse me, uh, Tampa Bay and the Giants. Philly, well, actually, if they all finish eight and eight, Dallas, Dallas wins the East, so that's kind of a moot point. Uh, but say Philly goes eight and eight. Say they lose to Houston, beat Washington. That would mean Washington would beat Tennessee week 16. And Carolina wins out. So you have Dallas 8-8. Eight eight. <coughs> Excuse me. Dallas 8-8, eight eight, Seattle 8-8, eight eight, Carolina, Philly, Washington, all at 8-8. Eight eight. Carolina gets the sixth seed as Dallas would beat out Philly and Washington for the NFC East. Uh, and then Car Seattle wins the four-way tiebreak. Thanks to conference record at seven and five, and then Carolina wins the three-way tiebreak as Philly would, because it would be Philly eliminating Washington in this snare at six and six, because in, in this snare Philly would have swept the Redskins. So Philly beats out Washington, and then between Carolina and Philly, Carolina beat Philly head to head. Uh, if we flip that though. And say the Eagles lose to the, or the Eagles beat the Texans and lose to the Redskins, and then Washington loses to Tennessee in Week 16. It's the same scenario, same scenario actually, because Philly would still beat Washington on uh, common opponents, as they would both be three and three in the division. And then common opponents comes before conference record in the division tiebreak, which Philly would have six and six versus five and seven. So Philly would still beat Washington. Carolina would beat Philly. So that makes it pretty simple. Even if say Philly uh, wins out, Dallas loses out. Carolina beats Dallas on. Uh, on head-to-head -head at eight and eight, so you know, a lot, a lot of scenarios really, a lot, lot, lot of possible scenarios for Carolina to get in at eight and eight. But the bottom line is they have to win out. Minnesota has to lose out, and one of one of the pretty much essentially two of the NFC East teams. Have to get to have to finish eight and eight. So it's it's a tough go. I mean the the biggest obstacle I think as far as all that happening is Detroit beating Minnesota on Sunday. But if that happens and Carolina beats Atlanta, then they will go into assuming both Philly and Washington. Both don't win on Sunday. If Minnesota loses and Carolina wins on Sunday, Carolina's going to go into Week 17 with some hopes of the playoffs. 
again, it, it's a long shot, but you know, we we've seen crazier things happen. We've we've seen wild week 17 scenarios play out and teams that were on the outside looking in going into week 17 played their way into week 17. Look at uh look at just last year. The Buffalo Bills. They needed a couple things to break their way and it happened including that fourth down touchdown pass by the Bengals to essentially eliminate the Ravens. So anything's possible but they 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 have two weeks to get it right, otherwise they're headed for the draft. And speaking of the draft, real quick, uh, the updated order. If you guys are following that stuff, as far as where the Panthers would sit right now, they would currently hold the twelfth pick in the draft. So they're actually moving up the draft board. They're just outside the top ten. Uh, in fact, if they lose, if they lose Sunday, and the Packers were to win, that would at least move move the Panthers up to 11. And based on their strength of schedule, a loss and a win by just about any of the five and nine teams. In fact, they play Atlanta, so. Uh, they would they would pretty much I think move ahead move behind Atlanta or move ahead of Atlanta as, as far as the uh, draft order goes. So a loss by the Panthers and a win by the Packers I think would actually move Carolina into the top ten of the draft and a little bit higher for some of the, the couple other teams win as well because right now the Panthers have an easier schedule than all the other five and nine teams except Atlanta. They're actually even with the Falcons as far as strength of schedule. And then their their schedule is easier right now than the other five and nine teams. The Lions, Giants, Buccaneers, and Bills. So you know I, I know the Panthers are still fighting for a playoff position. I know there's also fans that want them to get as high of a draft pick as possible. So, again, right now they do sit with the 12th overall pick in the draft. Uh, for those curious, thanks to San Francisco winning, San Francisco actually dropped from number one to number four on the draft board. Thanks to the other results, the Arizona Cardinals with former Panthers coach Steve Wilkes at the helm. Though there's a chance Wilkes, seems like Wilkes is going to get fired after the season. But the Cardinals right now own the number one pick in the draft. Raiders are at number two. Jets three. Niners four. Then the Jaguars at five. Falcons at six. Lions seven. Giants eight. Buccaneers nine. Bills at ten. Then the Packers at eleven. Panthers 12, Broncos 13, Bengals 14, Browns at 15, uh, Redskins 16, Dolphins at 17, Eagles at 18, Colts at 19, and then the Titans would be at number 20. 
So that's where the, at least with the non-playoff teams, that's where things would stand right now in the draft order. So on that note, I think we'll wrap it up here. Uh, feels like another somber edition, I guess. Uh, but thanks as always for sticking with me, everybody. Really do appreciate it. Check us check us out here tomorrow because, of course, it is Crossover Wednesday. We will have a crossover because I am. Uh, it was my own fault. I got mixed up in communication, I guess, as far as last week goes. But Ross and I should be able to to get together next week to preview the Week 17 game. But tomorrow, of course, it is. Aaron Freeman and I for the second time this season as we preview the second meeting between the Panthers and the Atlanta Falcons. So be on the lookout for that. And, of course, follow me on Twitter at Bill underscore Rossetti, R-I-C-C-E-T-T-E. Follow the podcast, uh, Google's, Apple. Also using your voice command. You can tell your your, uh, smart device to play podcast whatever and they'll open it right up for you uh so again thanks so much for listening have a great rest of your day see you back here tomorrow for crossover wednesday until then keep it locked here on lop and take care my friends hey prime members you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on amazon music Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.